and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 202. 202. Tim and Friends. I'm Tim McAuliffe. Gregory Hines over there. Mm. Jesse Rubinoff. Hardly. Hardly. Is, like, is there a more up-to-date reference for a solid dancer than Gregory Hines? Like, uh, do we have to go to Dancing with the Stars and name I, one of the Iman people? Shumpert, maybe? <laughs> yes, <laughs> very good. I will take that. Yes, reigning champion Iman Shumpert Dude's in Dancing with the Stars. I'll take that. So I'll be uh, Gregory Hines and Iman Shumpert. Uh, there you go. I will change that from now on. Gregory <laughs> Hines has been replaced officially with Iman Shumpert. <laughs> that, my friends, is 2022. That's Jesse Rubinoff. Full disclosure, I got the old booster today. So if I'm a little fly or just flat out crap or more crap than normal please forgive me i worked through the first two doses of the shot jesse and most of this pandemic basically in studio at home so it's kind of a point of pride that i am not backing down in any way shape or form from any of this i got you if you need me i got you no days <laughs> off unless uh, one of us decides to get married again that's the only way it works even then it was only what yeah. two days off <laughs> yeah 48 hours pretty much yeah that's it uh so even if i miss a sign or two jesse's got my back like i I think even if we miss a sign, I think we should be okay. Like this little leaguer who may have just missed the take sign. Oh my god. <laughs> that's like. You gotta see it a couple times. Oh no. No, that's uncomfortable to watch. The luck on that. Honestly. Is that's, it, that's inches from, like, absol absolute sheer catastrophe. Every baseball coach should have this video as an example of why you need to take, take the signs. Like, make sure that you are checking the signs from the third base coach yeah. every game or this can happen. Did he, did he beat out the throw, though? So yeah, he's safe, right? He's safe. So he's safe at home, but did the batter, did the batter, we don't know, but did the batter, he just grounded out to short, I guess? That's what it looks like. Yeah, short, easy throw for the shortstop. Yeah, you're gone. Hopefully the inning didn't end on that. That would have been uh, tough. Uh, no need to steal home today. I will get by <laughs> with a little help from my friends, ESPN's Mark Spears, CBS's Iron Eagle, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman. With the latest on the Evander Kane mm. story, may have been a little bit of a pause button hit today. Oilers and Wild postponed for tonight, but the Leafs are in action in Arizona, Sassois and Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey features a classic rivalry. Montreal visits Boston. Tuka Rask will back up Linus Allmark as the Habs play for the first time since New Year's Day in Florida. If you're wondering, uh, the Habs have had one win in six games with five or more days of rest since 2019. So it hasn't worked out all that well when they've been rested. Uh, that's all on tap over the next couple hours right here on Sportsnet. We got you covered. Lay down the remote, but first things first, kids. Ruby, let's start to push Charlie Furbush. <laughs> Multiple nicknames today. First, first, first. First. Multiple personas. Split personality. Today. No, I wasn't calling you Charlie Furbush. Oh, okay. Is that, not, is that not what that is, though? Doesn't that imply like you're just rhyming for the sake of rhyming then? No, I'm 
finding players that are out. Like, I don't think anyone knows that. You think those are nicknames for you? I don't know. Like Every day I got a different personas. nickname yeah, for you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's Go ahead. No, I'm not going to argue with right. you. Okay. But fine. I'll take yeah. it then. You're I'll Charlie take, Furbush I'll take today. The win. Charlie Furbush today. Yeah. I will take the win. A uh, couple Canadian teams on the ice. Last <laughs> night, the Leafs let a 3-1 lead take slip away, but still picked up a victory in Vegas. 4-3 in a shootout, while in Florida, the Canucks played their first game in 10 days and lost in regulation for just the first time under Bruce Boudreaux. Timmy, let's start with the Leafs. After blowing that lead in Colorado on Saturday, did you see what you wanted to see from this team last night? Uh, producer Thomas Dobby said I should have used Homer Bush. Uh, if I was going to use a bush, the proper bush to use was Homer Bush as opposed to Fur Bush. I'm not greedy. I'll take whatever I can get. Uh, how about searching, uh, searching? How about this bush? booster? The booster delay. Bush party. There you go. Bush party yeah, tonight. that's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been. So you're asking me if I'm happy with or what? What was the what was the end of the question? Sorry, I was thinking about bushes. Uh, are you happy with what you saw from the team last night? <laughs> <laughs> good news and bad news for Leaf fans. Okay, good news: you can score against almost anyone in the league. Those are two good teams, and you asserted yourselves you you imposed your will against two really good teams and you should be proud of that bad news is last two games against two really good teams in Colorado and in Vegas that's still not good enough like they were clinging late in that game mm-hmm. and when I say clinging I mean clinging the last two third periods the Leafs have not only been outscored four goals to none in the third period they've been outshot 31 to 7 a combined 31 to 7 in the last two third periods like I don't care if you think Jack Campbell is going to win the Vesna that's not good enough that feels like same old Leafs and that's not going to cut it in a division that is that tough with Florida Tampa and it's about to get tougher with Tuka Rask coming back to Boston like that's where you're at do, do you remember what I said to you about the Leafs after they blew the lead in Colorado and what Sheldon Keefe should have done after they blew the lead in Colorado? That they got to step up. They have an opportunity. They got, they got a smack in the mouth. They got smacked in the mouth and that he needs to use that mm-hmm. on this team to see if they can provide a response. Well, one game later, here's Sheldon Keefe. We should be a little aggravated about how we've let these leads slip away here in these two games and uh, take that aggravation and, and turn it into motivation. That's a victory lap. Oh. One game late, Keith. One game late. Got like this, this is, and maybe he was trying to make sure that they weren't feeling like the same old Leafs. Yeah. But that, you can't have those back to back. I thought you were going to the 98 there for a second. No. That no. just the comments from Sheldon Keith. No, I just I just wanted to make sure that, you know, like listen, if, if you're a sports franchise out there and you need Uncle Timmy's help, just call. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be there for you. So you so you you genuinely think that he was uh, he was a day late and he should have done that after the first one, or are you applauding yes. him now for saying that? You, after the you, second hey, game? listen, I'm, I'm, you and I are good friends. We're allowed to disagree. Yeah. You and I disagreed after that Colorado game. Mm-hmm. I was adamant that they should have gone hard on this team so that something like this wouldn't happen again. And then one game later, it happened again. And if if this hadn't been in the Leafs history, then I would have let it go, no problem. I am the king of you can't draw conclusions from one game. 
but you have seen the propensity of this team when they face adversity to not exactly taste their own blood and go, all right, let's go. They taste their own blood and then they cower a little bit and mm-hmm. then they look around. You can't have that. You need immediate responses. And for me, the Leafs have to be a little bit worried about that back end. They were, they, they were clinging to those leads. And I don't know if they can play that way. Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, I, I would take the, the other side and just say, like, when you look at the positives of what they just did, I mean, I understand a coach pushing buttons. I get that. And I don't think he was overly critical. He's saying we need to use it to our benefit, be aggravated, which is fine. But you still got the victory, and you still got three or four against Colorado and Vegas. So on the whole, I think, can we agree that on the whole, you're taking more positives than negatives no. out of three or four? No? No, you just, you just blew a three-goal lead and a two-goal lead. Yeah, but you won in Vegas against a, a very good you, Vegas team. A little bit you, banged you up, but so were the Leafs. You won a skills competition. Like what, I, I don't know how you come out of that as a Leaf fan and think, oh, that's great, we got three or four against two good teams. You showed things that have been creeping up in this team mm. repeatedly when it matters most against good teams. You can't hold a lead. Like, that's that would be scary as hell to me as a Leaf fan. Yeah, it's concerning. They won the game, though. That's just what I think. But, I, I mean, yes, but with every win, you afford yourself, I think, more time and more flexibility to improve on that, on the defensive side, which they need to do. Um, speaking of... Can they do that with this team? Can they do that? that that's the that, question. That's my question. I mean, is, there's <laughs> going up against... Look at the standings right there. So who they're going to have to play. A long way to go, obviously. But the Lightning or the Panthers. We saw what the Panthers are capable of. We saw it again last night yep. against the Vancouver Canucks, who were coming off a long layoff of their own. And obviously we addressed it. Maybe something that... Uh, was to be expected considering how long the yeah, they got were jumped. Off. The Canucks got jumped in that game, yeah. uh, coming off a 10-day break to lose 5-2. Uh, three games in 25 nights, I believe, is the number yeah. against a team that's 19-3 and at home. I mean, I did like that there seemed like there was some sort of pushback from the Canucks. I mean, they outshot the Panthers 44-26. They outhit the Panthers 28-16. They won more face-offs, but wakey-wakey, like... Tampa, Carolina, and Washington, next three stops. Like, moral yeah. victories when you dig yourself that big a hole, like the Canucks did to start the season? Yes. Aren't, like, the Leafs have a little bit more leeway than the Vancouver Canucks have, and you can't get jumped like that. 100%. I understand why. Yeah. I understand how. I understand that's a really good team. But they don't have as much leeway as, say, the Toronto Maple Leafs have. They have got to put points on the board. But I did, like the re- I did like the response. I did like the fact that when you looked up at the shot clock at the end, third period, it seemed like it was out of reach. I think it was two goals in 26 seconds, basically jam done. You look up at the third period, and you're like, ah, oh, kind of dominating here. But when it's over, what does that really matter, yeah. right? Like the guy who hits uh, 10 home runs in the final month when pitchers are just pitching to them because the team's 15 games out, right? Exactly. Uh, first start of the game last night, Kodak Black, you have the floor. I need to address the talk of the NHL before we move on. And that is the Department of Player Safety's blatant mishandling of Bill Capri's egregious and repeated hitting from behind. Capri, a.k.a. Kodak Black, is in the Tom Wilson against the Rangers zone. A blatant disregard for the rules of the game and yet nothing. I mean, this young man has yet to hear from the Department of Player Safety? That, in one man's opinion, is shocking. 
And the fact that none of these hits from behind were even penalized in the moment <laughs> is, in my mind, yet another damning indictment of the Department of Player Safety or Playa Safety. So the immortal question, Tim, how many games? How many games? Oh, I think there are a couple of different games. But a reminder, don't hate the Playa. Hate the game. Nice. Let's go to basketball. Perfect. Uh, the Toronto Raptors had their six-game winning streak uh, snapped last night in Toronto. Like we didn't have any visual of that. What, what happened? We didn't have any visual evidence. It was a family that? show. Okay. Devin Booker right. hit the go-ahead bu bucket with just over uh, a minute left. Then later had some choice words for the Raptors mascot while shooting free throws to seal the game. Timmy, yesterday we said this was a measuring stick game for the Raps, but what's the bigger story, the final score or uh, Booker's controversy with the Raptors? I think it's the final score. We'll, we'll get to the Raptor in a flash, but I think the measuring stick game was real. Like I know 2022 Devin Booker's pretty kind of funny, uh, and we'll get to it, but a seven-game winning streak against a capped by a win against that team would have been impressive, and the Raptors were this close. What I liked the most, Chris Paul after the game, that's one of those games you got to put your hard hat on. Devin Booker, it was a fight all night. They beat us up a little bit, but down the stretch, we picked it up and we did what we had to do. I like the game from the Raptors. I like that OG Ananobi made it a core three, that he injected himself. Mm -hmm. And to do that all without Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr., two starters against, again, what is one of the better teams in the league, is impressive to me. And I know no moral victories. This team were world champions not that long ago. But that's impressive to me. That's about as close to a win and a moral victory as you can come. Well, you were given the Leafs moral victory, so I don't know if I want to take it. No, that, was a real, that was a real victory against <laughs> Vegas. But this Raptor team, I mean... They, they have some flaws, okay? Like, it's not like they're a perfect basketball team. Like, they have some issues shooting the basketball. They have some issues with the guard depth. But what we're seeing from this team is that they're basically in every single game that they play against every single team. And a lot of it has to do with now the contributions that they're getting from different guys. Like, and one of the guys I looked to and point to last night was Chris Boucher, who uh, we sent out the tweet, a picture of him exhausted on the bench. That was from two games ago. And now last night he has 16 rebounds, nine offensive boards. And this is the type of culture that the Raptors need. They need hardworking, grinded out guys. And earlier in the season it wasn't working for Chris Boucher. And now we see that no. they are getting the contributions that they need. So it's not every night. It's not Freddie and Pascal, although it, it has been because they've been that good. But not every night it's Freddie, Pascal. Well, but here's, here's the difference between good teams and better teams. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say great teams, but good teams and better teams is that when one of your guys struggles a little bit, how many guys do you have that can fill that role, right? Like, Jay Crowder steps up and has an opening half where the Raptors do a really good job on most of the names in that Suns lineup in the first half, and they're able to skate by because they have a depth of talent. And when you bank on Chris Boucher to be your guy because everyone's out, that's not what the, he is, right? Mm -hmm. It's not what he ever was. You're developing just Pascal Siakam to get to that level, and this was the best team that they have played in this run, and they looked as good as that best team that they have played in that run. And to me, that's advantage Raptors, especially when you consider they missed the playoffs last year, and they're currently fighting for a play-in spot. When you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with one of the giants now of the West, I, I think that's impressive. And it's different than what's happened over the last couple of weeks because they had all of their players. Speaking the of toe-to-toe, -to -toe, 
uh, Devin Booker yeah. against the Raptor. One of the iconic mascots in the NBA. Yeah, sure. one of the if best not, mascots. If not all sports. Yeah, without a doubt. My guy was thrown off by the only fan in the building. <laughs> like, honest, my guy was thrown off by the only fan in the building. This is softer than my midsection these days. Like, the only fan in the building, and you're thrown off enough to have that fan or mascot relocated. Like, you send the best mascot in the – nobody puts baby in a corner. I lost respect for a player that I like a lot until I heard his post-game comments. You had issues with the blow-up, blow-up doll. Uh, no, I wouldn't have blow-up when it was the other one, the live one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we hashed it out. We, we on the uh, <laughs> Also, when the blow-up thing was up now? No, nah, was, he was alive. <laughs> the real mm-hmm. mascot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We cool now, though. <laughs> By the way, why are they sitting so close together? No they don't have more than one? Like... Yeah, I have no idea. The question was so good, too, that he had some like, beef with <laughs> the, the blow-up blow up doll. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was Phrasing the live one. Phrasing uh, is everything, yeah. is it not? Phrasing is everything, yeah. yeah. I-, I thought it was fine. Like, immediately after he told the mascot to get lost and they sent him to the corner for a timeout, like, Booker and the Suns were laughing about it almost immediately. So. <laughs> but how did, the, how did the referee, like, why didn't the referees just look... Sorry, what? Yeah, like one guy. There, there, there used to be 10,000 people sitting there. It is kind of there. interesting. Like, do you think when, when it's packed like that behind the net, like they all blend in, everyone blends in together, and then there's one person or have one you, mascot, like it actually might be more distracting? Have you ever shot in an arena like that where there's like glass and then empty space behind? No, I'm not off the top of my head. I don't remember that. Like I, I went to the Halifax Metro Center, mm-hmm. and for the first time, and I shot a three, and my like my depth perception was completely gone. Right. Like it's not easy to perform in a stadium where like there's no wall, there's no it's just the net. They're used to it. They're NBA players. He should be used to everything. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like think of what they do in free throws in college. Yeah. Right? Like they give the birth Cameron sometimes. Crazes. Yeah, they do give birth sometimes. That's one of the best. best and there's a raptor there and you got to move? Come on, yeah, man. Suck it up, D-Book. Yeah. Uh, okay, the Memphis Grizzlies extended their franchise best win streak to 10 <laughs> games last night. It's time we talk about them. They took down one of the best teams in the National Basketball Association, the Warriors. John Moran had a game-high 29 points. The Grizzlies now have wins against the Suns, Nets, and Warriors during the streak. Timmy, you wanted to talk about the Grizzlies for a while now. Well, Here's your chance. No. No, I'm not doing this. You're not doing it. No, I'm not doing it. I, I was ahead of the curve on the Memphis Grizzlies. And just because the hot take artists like Skip and Stephen A. Smith have finally arrived at the party, I'm not doing this now, Jesse. All right. I'm sorry. Our show is not the hot take reactionary. Our show is about getting you the information you need before the followers come running. We don't need no stinking Americans or American shows to validate our opinions here. Never have, never will. The grizzle for shizzle. I've been saying it for a couple weeks now. I'm already moving on. Ten in a row. We'll talk to Mark Spears about it. We're already moving on to things like DeMar DeRozan. I don't know if you remember this, Jesse Rubinoff, but on December 20th, you and I had the old, hmm... DeMar for MVP talk. Do you remember this? Yes. When do you sprinkle a little on DeMar DeRozan for MVP? And now, bold 
Bills Nets tonight. And guess what the ESPN Daily Podcast is today? Mm. That's right, kids. DeMar DeRozan, the MVP candidate. I have said it before. I will say it again. The Canadian inferiority complex is gone in sports. We don't need our opinion our opinions validated by big-time Americans who just happen to make 20 more, 20 times more than I do <laughs> that I'm counting or anything like that. Yeah. And we don't need our athletes validated by the American ecosystem. We're doing fine. Thank you very much. We've got our own drip, all right? And that moves on from the grizzle for shizzle, which is really impressive. And I've been trying to tell you for a while it's really impressive. And maybe, and maybe, maybe John Morant is walking into that MVP conversation mm. as well, even though they were winning without him. But I think we're going to talk about that with Mark Spears coming up. Love it. I have nothing to add then. All right. Still to come, Ian Eagle <laughs> joins us as he gets set to call the Pats and the Bills on Saturday. That's the night game. Elliot Friedman with the latest on Evander Kane. And we'll walk around the NHL in some 32 thoughts. Akeem Aliu on the Hockey Diversity Alliance and the Tape Out Hate campaign. But up next, it's our friend Mark Spears. We keep the NBA chat going. We'll talk about the grizzle for shizzle. We'll talk about John Moran. And we'll talk about where he thinks the Raptors are in a very crowded Eastern Conference. It's Tim and Friends on a hump day and a booster day. Hopefully we make it through. Complaining about the Raptor, the lone fan that's there. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, one. The Come Raptor. On, he's been sent away. Aaron Smith sent him away. Come on. I mean, there's nobody in the gym. That ain't right. Okay. Works it through the circle, shoots, and scores! Oh, You've got to be kidding God. me, Kale McCarr! It's his 16th goal of the season. That leads all defensemen in the National Hockey League. It happens so often that. We've kind of normalized it. Like you wake up in the morning, uh, a couple of days ago, you you see an end bomb in your messages and your DMs, and you just look at it and you're like, ah, it's just another Monday. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Busy night on tap in the NBA. Nine games, including three of the Sportsnet family of channels. Celtics and Pacers is on Sportsnet now. Sign up, please. Kyle Lowry and the Heat taking on the Hawks on Sportsnet 1, your home for basketball in Canada. And later, it is the Lakers and Kings also on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet now. Got it good, and since you understood... We introduce our friend ESPN, Mark Spears, who just so happens to be in Sacramento. Mark Spears, what do you do in Sacramento? Other than watch basketball? <laughs> um, I want to go fishing soon. They have the Delta here, which is okay. good for fishing. Vlada used to have a really great club here. <laughs> really? Yeah. Believe it or not, Vlade Dibek had an amazing hip-hop club. Sacramento when he was playing here. <laughs> That's a great sentence. Was, there were all the players used to go there after the games, and it was like the hot spot. And uh, I forgot what it was called. It was like, oh, it was called, what was his number? 21? Tunnel 21. Ah. I love the and, sentence alone. Like, Vladi Divac yeah. had a great hip-hop club. Mike Bibby and guys got, his, his boys got, like, banned from the club for a week. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. It's <laughs> amazing. Story for another time. Would, would they play Vladi Dotty? Vladi. Dotty. Uh, all right, so let's. let's... There, there's some good uh, 
off their stories. I can tell you about <laughs> the flooding. <laughs> uh, next time uh, you get up to Canada, when uh, when the travel advisory, whatever the hell goes oh, on, you know you guys have more cases than us. Uh, we sit down to some two sisters hey, wine. Not, hey, I ain't fighting you on that one. <laughs> and and uh, we can and learn we'll, a lot from Canadians. <laughs> we'll figure all this stuff out together, including some of those off-air stories. Hey, listen, uh, last block I was talking about uh, the fact that we didn't need vindication from our American media friends, and now I'm going to ask for vindication from our American media friends. This DeMar DeRozan story in Chicago, true or false, this is one of, if not the best stories in the NBA right now. Oh, yeah, I've already written it. Yeah. I love it. Um, I actually did a, a big story about his tattoo now that he has of his father who passed away, um, which was done by a, a, a amazing tattoo artist in Abbotsford, Canada. Uh, so um, his resurrection with the Bulls has been very, very cool to watch. I mean, it, it seemed like when he went to San Antonio, he was forgotten. There wasn't a lot of success there. Certainly wasn't a place where his game was too sexy. And, you know, by going to Chicago now, the home of Michael Jordan, uh, a lot more eyes on him than they were in San Antonio. And uh, he, he certainly lived up to the billing. And one thing he told me, like, he really enjoys playing there. Uh, there there's a lack of egos, he told me. You know, and so Zach Levine, Ball, you know, Vucevic, they, they, Caruso, they're just, they're just balling and having fun. And, and they're a really scary team to play uh, right now because their camaraderie is good. They're well coached. Uh, they have two guys capable of dropping 40 on you on any given night. Athleticism, they get up the floor. So, yeah, they, they we, we probably like, and, and all we talk about, right, is the Nets, right? Right. The Nets, the Bucks, and the and the Seventy Sixers issues. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Bulls have the best record in the Eastern Conference, and it's 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 rarely talked about. So tonight, obviously, it's going to be talked about because they got a what is it a, a 10 p.m. start on ESPN in Chicago, 10 p.m. Eastern start uh, in Chicago against the Nets. But the one thing that plays into this that makes that as a, just as a basketball dude is it feels like a very good basketball town has been reinvigorated and this team's fun to watch. Yeah. It's uh when you when you think about the cool places in the NBA to go watch games. I've always had fun in Chicago yeah. and it, it's certainly been dormant for a few years since you know Derrick Rose was doing his thing, a healthy Derrick Rose. You know, I think of New York um Staples Center just for just the celebrities, right? And uh they always have some star players there. Uh, Oracle Arena now Chase Center is, but the Bulls Arena. When you walk up, my cousin went to a game recently. It's like, man, the Michael Jordan statue. You know, you 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 know, going to Boston is amazing too. But you see those six, you know, those those Michael Jordan Bulls banners up in in the rafters. Those still mean something. Hearing that song that they always played, that that classical song or that rock song. I'm sorry for the Bulls in the introductions. Uh, that still plays. It's cool. It's a really cool atmosphere. So there you go. And, and you got the cartoon with the with the bulls running through the city and everything. Like they, you you hear things in sports. Like uh, the league is better when 
Right. This team is good, and, right. and I think you could say that about the Chicago Bulls. I don't know if anyone says it about the Memphis Grizzlies, but, man, are they playing some basketball right now. Ten in a row, uh, Lakers, Warriors. It does, I mean, like, wh- where does this rank? Do you believe? Do you believe? I, I believe for a little while, and here, here's why. When you talk about the best teams, the teams that can actually do damage when it matters most, in the NBA, you have guys like John ja Morant, who can score. You have guys like Dylan Brooks that can score, but what what this team did, and this thing was absolutely Jesus ridiculous. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, this and is Then he just kept like like he didn't hurt himself, you know, like he just kept like yeah. Okay, so this team why it's different for me, Mark, and it's not sexy. They play defense and they rebound. And when it matters most, that's when you can really do damage. And they got a superstar that is fearless in John Morant. Um, I, wrote, I wrote a story recently about his basketball IQ. We talked so much about his scoring and his athleticism. He right. actually has one of the highest basketball IQs in the league. There are times when his teammate Jaron Jackson during a timeout will turn to him and say, what do you see? Uh, the coach calls him a coach on the floor. So that certainly gives the team another edge. And, and they kind of live vicariously through him. These guys on paper look like a bad team, right? But with him, like he energizes them. And the thing that shows you about his basketball IQ and how special he is as a player is he makes everybody around him better. Um, and so I'm, I'm really curious to see where this team goes. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feel guilty because before the season I did this thing, you could probably find it if you search it. Um, with a play on Kumo D's Wild Wild West about top teams in the Western Conference that could win it, and I didn't put the Grizzlies in it. And I thought about it at the time, for the season, and I'm like, yeah, they're not quite there. <laughs> Man, they're making me look bad. Uh, the only thing I was on was John ja Morant to lead the league in scoring, and what I didn't realize. But you got to remember, he only averaged like 19 last season. I, I, I know. So I, he should be a most improved guy. The The, the crazy thing is that what you're saying about his basketball IQ. Like, it, it's not because Jaws scoring 40 a game that they're winning all of these games. It's, yeah. it's the culmination of all of it. So yesterday, speaking of the Wild Wild West, one of the teams that you did put in that story was the Phoenix Suns. They were in Toronto to face <laughs> the Raptors. And... Dino Gate. <laughs> what do you guys called it up there? Come on, man. Like, that's the only fan in the building, and you get distracted. Like, oh, that, that's, that's softer than my midsection, is it not? That, that was hilarious, man. This is like <laughs> something you uh, – Shaq to the fool, something. It, it, yeah. It's certainly going to make it. But the best part was, like, he got a timeout. Like, <laughs> not like a basketball game, like a child. Like, go sit in the corner. <laughs> Put baby in the corner. <laughs> Get in the corner. <laughs> like, you're talking about a guy that shoot like 80% for the free throw line. That's about, like, you're really distracted by. He's like, I mean, there was six seconds left. It was funny. Like, I'm surprised that the mascot left. Why did he have to leave? I'm surprised. Like, can you talk to the, like, did the refs, like, if I'm like, one of the referees, I'm like, what are you talking? That's the only he dude break? in here. I'm, I'm, I'm actually mad at Coach. Um, I'm mad at the Raptors for not fighting back on that. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. what is, he's jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's funny, man. It's, it's, 
Why can't he do that? I, I, you're, you're asking the wrong guy. I just spent about... Like what, what, what rule did he break? <laughs> it was racism against the Raptor, man. That's what he, did. <laughs> he didn't do nothing wrong. No, no. that's that's. So let me talk about the game for a second because the Raptors win six straight. They do it hey, against man. some... De- some depleted animals need love too, man. Or, you know, it's yeah, bad it's, enough that his whole species is gone. Yeah, like the species is extinct, <laughs> and now you're sending them to a corner. The lone man left. The lone man in the building. Um, so let me just ask you. Yeah, this is this is the. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. Josiah Johnson is an American treasure. Yes, he is. Uh, I actually retweeted that. That's that's a, that's beautiful. Uh, oftentimes with our digital group, I will use Josiah Johnson as an example of having a banker of good luck, just good man. stuff. He, he is unreal, standard, unreal that, that cannot be reached. Okay, so go follow him on Twitter and then tell me if you think the Raptors are getting closer to the point where you think that they are buyers. They're getting healthy here for the first time in basically two years, and they just went toe to toe with the Suns for whatever the hell that's worth. They got like what five guys averaging at least 15 points or something like that. That's a wonderful um, question. Two, three over 19. Yeah. Really well balanced team. Um, Fred Van Vliet's having an All Star season. Pascal starting to have one. Uh, your rookie looks like he could be rookie of the year. And it's 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 kind of like the team I was just talking about with the Bulls. Just unselfish guys, no egos, just trying to win. And you know, they've been through so much. You, they, they've got to be close, right? OG's having a good season, too. They, they, they got to be have, have a unique bond. I mean, they're, they're the only one in the NBA right now that has sense enough to not have any crowds, which, you know, thanks, thanks Canada for caring about people's lives that much, right? Um, I, I, just, I just think they're also a scary team to play. They got a chip on their shoulder. They didn't get celebrated the way they should have uh, when they won the championship due to the pandemic. So they're, they're another team that keep an eye on. They're rising. And I'm very curious to see what their eventual seeding is going to be. I do expect them to be in the playoffs. Uh, there's a couple of other quick NBA stories that I have you I wanted to try to get to. Maybe I'll just get we, – we don't have enough time for both. I'll give you – what the hell do the Clippers do versus what the hell happened with the Wizards last night? Whichever one you want to talk Clippers. about more. All right, Clippers. Is it, does it look like PG's out for the year? And if so, are they both? Like, what, what, what happens here? <laughs> that, that is the a great Kawhi's sentence, too. The, the, I guess the Kawhi is their hope now, right? You're help, hoping that he gets back. Um I, I don't know, man. They, they've been very, very disappointing season. Um, the best news they have is they're building a new arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, for real. Uh, just, just um, you know, you, you, we'll see what happens with PG. We'll see, see what happens with Kawhi. And uh, I'm watching them play, and it's like all these young dudes that, you know, I never heard of or just were in high school two years ago, you know, um, uh, I certainly a disappointing season because you got to remember they were in the Western Conference Finals last season. Uh, is there time to turn things around? Yeah, but if, if Paul George and Kawhi aren't playing, they ain't got a shot. And there's signs, so it's not as if like 
you just got to sit and wait if you're the Clippers and Steve Ballmer. Like, you waited for these guys to come. You waited for them to sign longer term. You paid term. for it. Yeah. I mean, there, was a, there was a risk with Kawhi, right? Yep. Are you, are you guys – well, let me ask you this. Do you regret Kawhi's departure now? I still think that Raptor fans wanted to see what it was if you ran it back. Uh, I don't think you'll ever get Raptor fans off that because it was so beautiful for one year. But I think when you look back at it, Spearsy, sometimes things like that, are, things like that in life, are just what you what you savor. You had it for yeah. it was a glimpse. It was beautiful. Enjoy it. But even sitting right there with you. Well, he wouldn't have been sitting right there with you. But. No, not, not, I mean, not, like, how many games has he played for since he's left there? I know. And, and one of the things, like, you know, one of the things. And in the bubble, that was one of the greatest choke jobs in NBA history. Without a doubt. We, we, we talked about how big bad, Alex man. McKegney was. And no one outside of, like, Toronto or so hardcore far. basketball fans knew who the hell Alex McKegney was and what he was doing with this whole load management thing. But now that you look back, yeah. it almost seems Valuable. like genius. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We called we called him the Silver Fox when he was with the Lakers. <laughs> so you just start calling him the Silver Fox. He's he's a genius. He he is a genius. Uh, Spearsy, always great talking to you. Thanks for doing this. Pleasure, brother. Happy New Year, man. Enjoy Sacramento without Vladdy Divac's oh, hip hop club. I think they got uh, several McDonald's to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Spearsy. Be well, man. All right, peace. There is uh, Mark Spears, ESPN. Undefeated. Uh, your feedback coming up, plus Elliot Friedman on his way. Ahead of Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Evander Kane, is he going to sign with the Edmonton Oilers? We'll discuss coming up on Timmy Friends. Still to come on Tim and Friends, Elliot Freeman, Ian Eagle on, uh, I guess we'll call it Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll get into that in just a flash. But uh, Mark Spears, friend of the show, not only was he just on, but did he tweet at us? Yeah, he just gave us a heads up of, of something that just happened. And that is Devin Booker mm-hmm. on Twitter has changed his profile picture <laughs> to the Raptor on a timeout. So, D-Book is fully in the deep end on this one. Like, he is engaged and wants it to become a story. I, great. I, here's the deal. I think Devin Booker really was distracted by the Raptor in an empty stadium yeah. and then realized how ridiculous that was, started laughing, and then in the post game, like, said they were homies, right? Yeah, this is If you weren't with us off the top of the show, we played a clip where he said, we hashed it out, we're homies. Yeah, this is an image (laughs) protection backtrack is what it is. Is that what it is? This is how you do it on social media now. Now he's trying to play it off like it was all fun and games, when in reality, I think you're right, he was definitely distracted by the Raptor and uh, wanted him to sit out in in the corner. So, yeah, this is actually – so he tweeted out this picture, and then if we go to the profile – Yeah, your profile pic. Yeah. That's him. By the way, and his dope car. Million followers. Yeah. Car, Have you seen that car? Legendary license plate. Um, so image protection. Backtrack. Backtrack. I just coined that. that. Yeah, we, yeah. Sh- we should uh, trademark that in some way, shape, or form because that is a great little. We've had some good sentences on this show. Image protection. Uh, the IPB. The IPB. This was an IPB. Image protection backtrack um, from Devin Booker who realized he looked soft in the moment. Yes. Uh, well, okay, this is definitely not soft, but I do have to report on some more breaking news that is just happening. Shams Jarania is reporting that 
Portland Trailblazer star Damian Lillard will undergo surgery on Thursday for his abdominal injury and will be sidelined indefinitely. Man, tough. They're, they're year. saying that though this is not, not uh, season, season ending, no. which is significant. But the Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard—I like, oh. I don't know what the future holds for that team. It's just—I think the story of him like always having to say, "I'm not leaving." is annoying at this point, right? Like, it's been five years of yeah, the but media constantly asking him, like, when are you going to ask out of Portland? Like, leave it alone. He doesn't want to go. That's fine. He wants to try and win in Portland. But doesn't it then become incumbent on Portland to surround him with players? Yes, no, definitely. They, they haven't held up their part of the bargain, for sure. But why is he, like, why is he the one guy that's always getting pushed? We, we say we don't like super teams, but then as, like, a media, we're trying to manufacture super teams I don't- by nudging him out of Portland. I don't know that people, I think fans are nudging him out of Portland yeah. because they want him to join their team. Go to the Lakers or something like I, that. I do think that a bunch of media members are like, are we going to see one of the better players of our generation mm-hmm. just languish away mm-hmm. in the Pacific Northwest because they can't figure it out? Yeah. And I think that's a legitimate question. Like, is your career a success if you never do anything in the postseason? Yeah, but that, I mean, that's up to him. His He, he determines his legacy. Like, if he wants to leave, he can leave, but he shouldn't need to be to answer it all the time, I think is my point. I don't know if he determines his legacy. I think that's one thing that the media, and the, he determines what he wants his legacy mm-hmm. to be. He doesn't determine his legacy. And that's the one thing the fans and the media have when it comes to players and why you see guys joining super teams mm-hmm. because they're so worried about their legacy. Get well soon. Don't, see, don't like seeing superstars no, get hurt. He's, he's one of the better players. Yeah. Uh, we were going to get to some football and uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. Is that what we're going to call it? Super, yes. You like it? Yes, super Wild Card it. Weekend? I love it. Uh, only two buys this week. Six games. We are going to get into it. Ian Eagle will join us in the second hour. But after this break, Elliot Friedman will join us with the latest buzz around the NHL. An update on Evander Kane. Jacob Chickering, where might he go? Plus, the Habs are back in action in Boston. The Leafs are in Arizona. We'll get to it all next. Right here, Tim and Friends across the Sportsnet family of channels. IPB. Image protection back. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Shane Dog's back here for hour number two. A little early on Tim and Friends. Full hour on Sportsnet 360. That includes Ian Eagle on the NFL playoffs. And we want to get conversations with Elliot Friedman and Akeem Aliou to you. So we're starting the hour a wee bit early. Half hour. Uh, we'll go to 630 ahead of Hockey Central on Sportsnet. At least 630 Eastern time. Got a good since you understood Akeem Aliou coming up in just a bit. But first, kids, the Leafs continue their road trip as they head to Arizona to take on the Coyotes. Of course, a homecoming for Austin Matthews. Is it the future home? Nah, probably not. Peter Morazic starts in goal. His first action in just over a month, just his fourth game of the season. Coyotes are doing a real good job at tanking for Shane Wright. They have 17 points and are dead last in the National Hockey League. The Montreal Canadiens could fight it out. A little fight for right. Uh, they just uh, point up on the Coyotes in the basement. Abs return to the ice for the first game. Since New Year's Day, taking on a surging Bruins squad, a number of players have rejoined the team in Boston. 
Uh, Alex Romanoff, Jake Evans, neither of them will play tonight as there is a delay getting their equipment. And they only got back on the ice. To this is Hockey Central comes your way 6.30 Eastern, followed by the Habs and Bruins on sports that over the last couple of days I've given our next guest credit for knowing his bleep on this very show and today I have to give him that credit ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome back Elliot Friedman for three of 32 brought to you by the first ever GMC 84 lineup Fridge uh, you were all over this Evander Kane but where the hell are we now well, first of all, I'm not used to getting praised by you. Yeah, I tried I to move on quickly. Que- <laughs> I, I, I feel queasy. I don't. I don't feel right. Right. Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, so today, at about it was it was before. I'm trying to think about what time it was. I can't remember what time I reported it, but it was about an hour before I reported. I guess there was an email that went out from the league to all the teams saying that they were going to formally open an investigation so just if you're not familiar with the timeline there were two reasons that san jose used to terminate his contract one of them was that he was supposed to return to the team uh, on december 31st he didn't until january 6th and the other was that he tested positive for coronavirus on the 21st and he took a flight to vancouver on the 29th and um he was still supposed to be in ahl protocols at the time never mind what the border situation is. And, you know, first of all, we should say that these are alleged violations and that Kane is disputing them. But, you know, I know a lot of people out there had questions about the border, considering we all know how difficult and what the rules are for the border right now. Well, the NHL sent out an email to all the teams today that they were doing a specific investigation into the border trip and whether or not Kane did have the proper clearance. And that sent a chill over... Uh, Kane's decision or ability to sign with an NHL team. I, I believe he, had, he was supposed to have two more interviews with teams today, and then he was going to make a decision that would unfold over the next couple of days. But the teams have backed away. They said they want to know, they want to see what the result of this investigation is and where they go from here. So I think what we have to figure out now, Tim, is how long this NHL investigation will take. I assume Kane will be interviewed as part of that. And I think the teams are all waiting now to get a proper timeline. So this this is almost like the Novak Djokovic of uh, the NHL now with Evander Kane. And it's no laughing matter because depending on what happens here, could, could there be more ramifications than just his contract being voided? You know, I think that I was talking about this today with our guy in Edmonton, Mark Spector, mm-hmm. and, and we were talking about exactly that, about – you know, how many questions we all have, and, and there's no good answers right now. Right. And, you know, I know I'm supposed to be this wonderful insider who comes on and answer all your questions. <laughs> I guess the best thing I could say, Tim, is that we don't. there's a lot of unanswered questions right now. I, I can't, like, I don't know. You know, people have said to me, you know, they've already suspended him once for a COVID protocol violation. Well, obviously, they can suspend him again. And I said, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I've had some lawyers say to me, well, the first one was an NHL violation, and the second one was an AHL violation. So is it the same? And I've had others say to me, well, they can just say he broke protocol. I don't I don't know the answers. Right. What I think today is, is that he was getting close to signing, and the league sent out this memo that put a chill on the whole thing. It brought the whole process to a halt, and now everybody's sitting here, and we're going to wait for all these questions to be answered, whether or not there's going to be further punishment, whether there would be a second suspension or whether or not Kane has 
somehow a logical explanation for all this that clears them from everything. Uh, so um, I don't think we have a good answer at this time. Opinion versus insider knowledge, and I will differentiate the two, hopefully to take you off the hook. Are the Edmonton Oilers, the, I mean, we heard enough about the Oilers and how close they were to signing Evander Kane. In your opinion, are the Oilers the favorite to get him if indeed this ends up being just a, a hiccup? I think that they're, I don't know if I would call them the favorite okay. uh, because I do think Kane was looking at one or two other uh, U, uh, offers in the States that he was checking out, but they were very much in it. And he was interested and they were interested. And I think it simply came down to, um, you know, who else might have come into this. I think there were about two or three other teams that were serious. I think once they separated the ones who were just poking around from the ones who were really serious, I think it came down to Edmonton and, and a couple other teams. Uh, I think Florida's in there. Um, Tampa Bay was. They've now said they're out of it. Um, I, you know, I, I've wondered about Carolina, and I've wondered about anybody else. And I, I think that there's... So there's probably about two or three, maybe four really serious teams. But like I said, they've all backed away. Edmonton was very much in this, very much in this. But I don't know if I'd go so far as to say the favorite. The, the way that Ken Holland was talking about Evander Kane made me feel like it was closer uh, before any of the reports came out. And then uh, today, we just tweeted this out. I don't even know if you've seen this yet, Fridge, But Connor McDavid mm -hmm. was at the podium speaking mm -hmm. about or speaking two questions posed to him about Evander Kane. And our quote here is, if the fans don't like it or the media doesn't like it or whatever, it is what it is. And mm -hmm. listen, I don't know if Connor McDavid is saying, just let me out of having to answer this. Uh, I don't know That's the context. That's what that is. <laughs> I haven't heard it. But I would assume that Ken Holland would probably talk to his two really good players about, adding Evander Kane before adding Evander Kane, no? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. And, and I would, and like, like I, I, like I've heard that players have called King about, you know, and I don't know if McDavid's done it specifically, but I think players from some of the teams involved have called him just to, you know, talk to him about it. Um, and, you know, see how he feels about them and them to explain how they might feel about him. So, uh, I, I think there has been some player recruitment and player discussion going on this as well. Elliot Friedman joining us here on Tim and Friends. Uh, so the rumors are starting to heat up, not just around Evander Kane. Uh, which NHL defensemen should Canadian teams have their eye on more, Jacob Chikrin or John okay. Klingberg? What about Mark Giordano? Oh, I like Mark Giordano as well. See, uh, I, different I, I player, like but yes, a la carte. Like yeah. I'm one of those people who <laughs> yes. goes into a restaurant. And I like to mix give me the five buffet. dishes together. Yeah, give me the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, uh, Rich Winter, the agent for Giordano, certainly lit a fire this week yes. with uh, Eric Francis on his radio show in Calgary. Um, I, you know, I, I the, the thing about Chikrin is it's a big price, right? He's not a rental. Chikrin is a guy you're getting for several years at a really good contract and. I do think it's Arizona's preference to send them east if they possibly can. Um, Giordano is a rental. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a ton of interest in Giordano. And, you know, the, the, the thing about Klingberg is I know how he feels and I respect how he feels. I think it's we just have to wait for another two months to see where Dallas is. You know, Dallas has games in hand. 
They now that they're healthy, they look pretty good, Tim. You know, if they're in the playoffs or in the race, I'm not so sure how you trade him and don't make yourself worse. And the other thing, too, is I think if they're in the race, it actually, and I, and I didn't write this yesterday, and I probably should have because I'm stupid, but, <laughs> you know, if they're, if they're really good, doesn't it benefit him to be on a really good team? Now, I think that, you know, if he gets traded, it's probably traded to another team that thinks it can make a run. But if Dallas takes advantage of those games in hand and he's, and he's looking good for them, it might actually benefit him to stay. But I understand his raw emotion. Um, you know, I, I probably, I, knowing the chip on my shoulder that I have about certain things, I might feel the same way. Uh, without a doubt, and I probably feel the same way too. Um, I was just noticing those Western Conference standings and noticing that every Canadian team was on the outside looking in. We've already seen yeah. a change in Canada. Like, where is the most pressure among the Flames, Oilers, Jets? Edmonton. Yeah. Edmonton. You know, the, the thing is here is that, you know, the Flames, they still they, – look look at the games in hand the yeah. Flames have. They, they've got three on the Kings. They've got six on the Ducks. Now, you've, you've got to win those games, right? But, you know, I understand the Flames don't like where they are, but they've generally – up until that last East Coast trip, they played really well. And, you know, I, I, I think that they're, they're good enough that I, I think they'd feel reasonably comfortable. Um, I'm not sure the Jets are that thrilled about their situation either, but the most pressure to me is Edmonton. And that's why they're in on Kane. You know, if Edmonton's – Anywhere near the 16 and five that they started yeah. uh, at the beginning of the season? Are we even talking about this? No. Probably not. No. And they cannot afford to miss the playoffs. It is not an option for them this year. Okay, this is highly predictable in a market like Toronto. But after uh, the last two games, uh, there has been talk about the Leafs' defense core and whether or not they can add to this, despite the fact that they are up against the cap. What are you hearing in and around the Leafs? And are you hearing anything about the defense uh, or the blue line? I think the Maple Leafs, you know, one of the things about the Maple Leafs that I heard is that, you know, how many times can you really deal away your future? They don't have a lot of draft capital mm -hmm. uh, in terms of picks, but what they do have is they have good prospects. They have prospect capital. And I do think that Toronto, Toronto scouting meetings are being held, I, I think, right now. I do think after this week, they're going to have a decent idea of what their plan is going to be. I think they have considered the possibility of this is our team and we have to figure out uh, what to do with it. I just think if they're really in the race and they believe they're really good, I, I just I just the pull of having to get better, especially in that division that's got Florida and Tampa in it, I think the pull on them to make themselves better is going to be intense. The best thing I that, that I think they've done this year is let Sandine play and let yeah. Lilligren play. Yeah. I, I and I do think that's what they want to do, but I, I really believe, Tim, that you know, if they think they've got a shot at first place the division and avoiding that Florida matchup in the first round, I think it. the pull on them yeah. to add something is going to be enormous. Without a doubt. And I think they're going to look. I think they're going to look. Without a doubt. Uh, there's going to be some pressure here. Free job. Always appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. 
All right, guys, have a great night. Uh, there is Elliot Friedman, the lovely and talented. Uh, time for a break. When we come back, the Hockey Diversity Alliance's Tape Out Hate campaign has generated a ton of buzz. After the break, we'll be joined by one of the members of the HDA, Akeem Alley, the chair, next, right here on Tim and Friends. Racism, ignorance, hate, it has no place in our game. I feel like I don't belong here. Acting like I ain't got no fear. I think that's something the fans don't see. Heavy handed. The text messages or the DMs. Why would you want your kid to ever experience something like that? Would you put them in hockey? If I knew she was going to have to face the same stuff I faced, probably not, right? Simmons was on the ice when a fan threw a banana peel. But at the same time, I want her to be able to do what she loves. He dropped the N-bomb because he didn't like my choice of music. We're just asking for an equal playing ground and just to be judged upon what we do on the ice. Think about everything that we had to tiptoe around. Everybody Black Lives Matter. That was the biggest topic in the world. We still can't say Black Lives Matter. It's completely different um, when you're a white player. People still don't understand that. We're only so many within this game. We need other people to speak up for us. Silence is not an option. our allies. We need the fans. We need everybody on board to make this movement. But you get more diversity in the game, it's only going to make the game better. It's just the appreciation that everything the game has given to us. Like, I'm so blessed. Why wouldn't I want to share the good stuff that, that comes along with hockey and to break down those barriers? For us, for them, for the game we love, let's change the game. We've had Wayne Simmons, Joel Ward, Matt Dumba of the Hockey Diversity Alliance on the show before, but this is the first time I've had the pleasure of talking to and even meeting, kind of, the chair of the HDA, Akeem Aliou. So happy to introduce him to the show. Thanks for taking the time and doing this, Akeem. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. I'm a big fan of yours, and I'm excited to have a little chat with you here. I appreciate it. So we just, we just saw the ad. Let's start there. Are you happy with the way this campaign from Budweiser Canada, Tape Out Hate, has gone from your point of view? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been incredible. Um, and I, I, I truly um, dedicate that to the fact that they really listen to our voices. And um, I think one of the biggest reasons why we signed on to do this campaign and kind of stayed away from others is because it was meaningful, it was impactful, it kind of hits you right in the face. And they, they really used our ex lived experiences, um, which we thought um, would be obviously, it's a harsh message to the hockey world, but a, a needed message. So for a massive sponsor of the NHL to come on board and, 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 and understand that this is a message that's super crucial at this time 
and age and so important for the game and to stay behind it um, for a year and a half since um, we, we began this journey has been super impactful and we couldn't be more uh, excited about how it came about and how the world saw it. I'm glad I bought my tape on day one because it was sold out. I'm not one of those pampered hockey journalists out there that may have gotten it early. I went out and bought mine. It sold out immediately and has been restocked and has been restocked. Listen, uh, I always, and by extension, I hope the show with Sid, without Sid, has always tried uh, our best to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because sometimes that's what it takes. And, And one of the things that's troubled me over the past little while is what people think is acceptable to write to another human being on the internet. And I think it's really important that good people see exactly what we, you, are talking about. And was that something that you and the folks at the HDA wanted to make sure people understood that real human beings are behind what's being said often? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it, it was a topic that we were going back and forth with, with Budweiser. Are we going to um, use the uncensored version to show it to the world? And we, we thought it was super important um, for people to be able to understand and, and at least um, try to find a way to appreciate what we kind of go through day to day. And um, just to add to that, it's it, it happens so often, uh, Tim, that we've kind of normalized it. Like you wake up in the morning, uh, a couple of days ago, you, you see an end bomb in your messages in your DMS and you just look at it and you're like, ah, it's just another Monday. So, um, it happens so often that, um, it doesn't even bother us to a certain extent. And we talk about this within the group and, um, in a lot of ways, that's a sad thing. Um, and, and obviously it's, a, it's really easy to be tough, uh, through a keyboard. Um, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's so much anger behind those messages. And just to be able to say, I'm going to take the time to find this person on social media and I have that much hatred towards him or his religion or the way he looks like or his gender to be able to send something like that. And um, I, I, we're just hoping at the end of the day that some of the lived experience that we've gone through, um, and they're not just on social media, like look at what Joel Ward went through in the playoffs against Boston. Look yeah. at Lane Simmons, um, what happened to him in London. Like these are lived experiences. I don't know how many times I've had racial slurs hurled at me um, in the middle of games, uh, walking in the tunnel, whatever it may be. Um, and we're just, like I said, at the end of the day, the biggest, our, our biggest mission is to be able to uh, provide a smoother path for the next generation. It's sad that we keep seeing these racial incidences on a weekly basis almost, but we're hoping a message like this can kind of allow all of us to come together as one and just to realize that, you know what, no one's better than the other person and let's kind of make this world a more loving place. I feel like you and I could talk for like an hour on this, but what's crazy to me is where I grew up, if you even thought that way, you would never hear anyone say it out loud because real talk, you get your ass kicked. Like, and it would be it would be white guys doing the ass kicking too because dudes like me uh, saw how disgusting it can get. And moreover, the effects of the hurt, right? Like you actually see a human being get hurt and you want to stand up for that human being. Is that some of the hardest parts of this message? Just having people see how damaging it can be if they've never gone through it? Yeah, in a lot of ways, honestly, Tim, it's a, it's almost a, like a rally cry of like, listen, like we've went through so much. And a lot of the times this picture gets painted of we're trying to ruin the game. Um, and it's by that old school mentality of people that don't want to see the game progress, doesn't don't want to see the game become more diverse, which is crazy to me because like du- Dukey says in, in the in, in the spot that making the game diverse is just going to make it better. It's going to grow the pool of talent. 
Um, so it's it's that's really our message is how do we find a way to make the game actually better while some people are thinking we're trying to ruin the game and what it's supposed to be. Um, it's almost like that old school Don Cherry mentality. Um, and we're trying to get that out of the game. Um, we truly feel, believe that kids now deserve an opportunity to play um, from whatever background they come from, whatever gender they're in. And obviously, like you said, from the areas that you grew up, you're from Scarborough. We have at least, I think, five guys on the HDA that are from Scarborough. So um, a lot of us have those friends, like like such as yourselves and the people that you grew up with that do stand up for us. So we do want to make mention of that. But obviously, there's a, there's a long way to go for all of us to come together and, and just not judge each other by our skin color or, or just being different. Yeah, that's that's and when you guys the HDA stated purpose for those who haven't seen it is to eradicate systemic racism and intolerance in hockey. Um, like to me, it feels like kind of a mountain. Um, it shouldn't, well, but it, it does. I mean, we're like, let's be honest. I don't know if this is breaking news or not. We're not going to eradicate racism from hockey or society or from any walk of life. Like yeah. that's just never going to happen because we're talking about thousands of years, right? Like this is embedded in people's DNAs and. Um, and, and, and it's something that's going to take a long time. Um, do you feel like we're making the... ground, though? Like, do you feel like there's any, like, do you feel like there's uh, been a few steps? Do we have a few Sherpas on that mountain? Like, how are we doing? Yes. Yes. I think um, there's two sides to that coin. I yeah. think what's been overwhelming is the support of corporates that have come on board with the Scotia Banks and the Crafts and the Budweiser's. You wouldn't have really seen that maybe five, even 10, even five years ago. So that's been that's been great. People like yourself in the media have overwhelmingly been supportive. Um, even though there's obviously some, obviously, that we see in the media that's kind of sitting on the fence because of um, internal reasoning, but that's been overwhelming. And just people in general have, have been supportive. But on the other side of the coin, it's like, look at all these incidents that we see pop up all the time. And I don't know if things are getting worse or just in the open more and, and people are have social media and are okay with coming forward with some of these um, incidences that have happened five, ten years ago, like mine. Um, so in, in a way, I think that the public has been overly supportive, but it's all also a little bit tough to see a lot of these kids, like right now the kid in PEI that's dealing with the situation, yeah. spoke with the kid in Nova Scotia that's dealing with racial slurs. Um, it just seems like there may be more in the open, but I'm so happy that we're just actually having this conversation and you and I are talking about this in the open because this didn't really happen five, ten years ago. Awesome. So one of the one of the things that more than a few of us noted was that there was no NHL branding in the ad. Did you reach out to the NHL or the PA to become involved in this project? Yeah, um, for over a year. Um, there's been more than a dozen phone calls with both the NHL and the PA. Um, and obviously I, we, we don't know each other that well, but I'm kind of a blunt person to say, I honestly think it. it's in a lot of, it's, it's disgusting and it's petty. Um, it's it, it, one thing is not to align on, to be honest, that's even hard thing for me to say, we want to grow the game. So to be honest, I don't even really know what the NHL's beef with us, with us is and why we're not aligning on trying to grow the game together, which they kind of say that they're trying to do with, some of their performative actions and some of the things that they're brought out to the world during the governor, um, to the, the, during the governor's board of governors yep. meeting. But to be able not to come and join us on a spot that's included of players of color that all played in your league to support that message, I, I, I don't even really know how you can excuse yourself or, or explain something like that. And then to double down on it and say, 
we're not even going to allow you to wear NHL branded gear and put us in a scramble um, within days of the shoot. So we have to go and buy HDA gear and completely change what we were going to do. It's just honestly, Tim, it's, it's, it's sad. It, it deflates all of us internally because we're like, listen, these are, this is who we play for. These are the people that are supposed to be behind us. And these are the people that a lot of the times go out there and say they do believe in the message, but then don't support the handful of guys that are pushing the message that were in your league. Um, it's, I, I don't I don't have an answer to that and it's the guys are super disappointed internally in the league and it's kind of been like that our relationship since day one again I feel like we could spend an hour here but we're running out of time so I'll, I'll ask you this all-encompassing question in order to try and find a conclusion at least to this conversation but I'd be happy to have more with you if I if Uncle Timmy sat here and gave you the magic wand and, and you could do anything what would you like to see happen now I mean, it's it's important um, to be as one and to have a united message, um, Tim. And that's because I think there's so few of us. And I mean, this is obviously me being a little bit too candid again. I think there's so few of us and, and the different people in the different spaces. I don't want to name individuals, but there's current players that are kind of pushing their own message in a different way. There's current broadcasters of color that are pushing their message in a different way. So where we get a little bit frustrated is that it confuses the people that are trying to get behind us and rally around us. Like, how do you want to go about this? This person of color is doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. So it's almost like we're pulling four different ways. I would want, to be honest, all of us of color to come together and, and push the same message so then that you're unified in what you're doing. And at the end of the day, all we want to see to answer your question is a most more diverse field in this in the space, I think. Uh, adding more people of color, I think growing the women's game is super important. I think it's really good for business if you look at it in that aspect. So that's another reason why internally we don't really understand why they're putting right. the NHL so far back against us. And we just think it grows the pool of talent. So that's what I want to see. I want to see what's going on with the Toronto Raptors happen at Toronto Maple Leafs game where you see Asian people and you see Muslim people, you see black people, you see white people all coming together in an arena as one. And we just really don't see that. And hockey is really an elitist sport right now. And I, I think there's so many different ways to grow it. Uh, I, I wish we had more time to have the conversation, but we have run out of it. Uh, but a good talk. And as I've said in the past, uh, and I don't think that I'm out on some sort of limb here, I am all for equality. I think that's the right side of history. And I think it's a pretty easy side to be on. And I think if yeah. you put it that way, it's hard for most people to shy away from it. So if we can ever help, feel free to reach out, okay? means a lot, pal. I really enjoy this, and I appreciate you continuing to push our message and uh, being a true ally. Thanks, boss. No problem at all. All right, uh, listen, we're going to continue hockey conversation. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. Carolyn Cameron, Anthony Stewart, Justin Bourne standing by. We'll continue on Sportsnet 360 as Ian Eagle joins us. He will set up Super Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League before he calls the Pats and the Bills back in 60 seconds on 360 with Ian Eagle. AFC East on the line. The weather is going to be a huge factor. Pitch for Harris. Has the first down and breaks it. It's gone. Through everyone. We knew the Patriots wanted to run the football. This is just a running drill. It's coming harder and harder to keep these backs contained. And the rest of the NFL is going... Are the Patriots back? Is that embarrassing? 
kind of question is that? We'll remember that. Back at Gillette Stadium, Bills are threatening once again. I want points in a game like this. Allen has the time, uncorks, touchdown! He hits McKenzie! Allen delivers, touchdown! Allen, touchdown! Absolute perfection. Buffalo made more plays than we did today. Played better than we did, coached better than we did. The Bills get some revenge. The Buffalo Bills are in the driver's seat in the AFC East. What a wonderful play-by-play -play man on that second game between the Bills and the Pirates. Uh, third time will indeed be the charm as they meet for the third time this season on the new and improved Wild Card Weekend. The man who will call the game for CBS, the man whose voice you just heard, Ian Eagle, joins us now. Welcome back, Ian, and thanks for the time. Appreciate it. I feel like I qualify as a friend now. I'm officially in the friend column. Too. You are. You are without a doubt. Among the friends, and when you get the horns, that's a good thing from us. I know some places in New York, if you get a different type of horn, never mind. <laughs> uh, the first two games, wildly different games and scores. Is the weather the explanation for that, or is there more to this? No, I think the weather was the explanation in the first game and the fact that New England imposed its will on Buffalo. So it wasn't just a loss for the Bills and damaging loss within the division, but it also starts to question your approach when you get down and dirty and you're going to run the football and your opponent knows it and they can't stop it. That chips away at your soul just a bit. So I think that's why the Bills were so disappointed after that game. And there was so much more emotion assigned to the second meeting based on the results of the first meeting. They threw the ball three times. This was like 1953 NFL, and Buffalo couldn't stop it. So they learned something from it, and it's interesting, Tim, because a year ago I worked that Indianapolis-Buffalo wildcard game, and at that point the Bills were riding high, and they were coming off this banner season, and they did host a playoff game, and they did win a playoff game, then they won another playoff game. Yet, with all of that said... I believe they're better positioned to make a long run in this postseason based on some of the adversity that they went through this year. And we saw it reveal itself in the second matchup because they did what they wanted to. They set the tone. And Josh Allen was masterful. All the things we believe in Josh Allen, we saw on display in the second meeting between these two teams. So, so the Pats leave Western New York after week 13 nine and four in control of the division. Um, they're just one and three since. Have you seen anything from the tape that suggests this is a different team from the one that had won six in a row at one point this year? I definitely do. Uh, defensively, they have not been as good. They have not been lights out. They have not been as opportunistic. And offensively, we've seen more mistakes. We've seen more turnovers. We've seen Mac Jones look like a rookie at times and there was a long stretch during that seven game winning streak where he looked like a savvy veteran it looked at many times like the Patriots offense that we saw with Tom Brady in there not quite as multiple and we know that they've had to hold back a little bit based on the fact that Max Jones is just learning the playbook but what we saw in the last four games is more of what you expect from a rookie and maybe even hitting that rookie wall. I know it's an imaginary thing. It's not tangible, but I do think it's real. And I think most NFL rookies will tell you that they've experienced it in some form. It just so happened for Mac Jones, it was when he exhaled 
in the bye week and then came back from it and has not played its best football. Does that mean that it's irreparable? No. Uh, we know that Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, they'll figure out ways. They'll come up with ways to to make this better. But they're going against a formidable opponent and, and maybe the most balanced team in the AFC. If you go player for player, offense, defense, special yep. teams, Buffalo might be the most balanced team in the conference. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of the AFC. I would have said that probably KC would be my favorite there, yeah. but then I've seen some weaknesses. That Bengals game opened a couple of eyes, including my own on this one. I, I just want to stop for a second on the Belichick and the Josh McDaniels part of the equation, because obviously um, what you spoke about, Mac Jones, has been true. He's only the 24th rookie quarterback to ever start a playoff game. Of those 24, only 10 have got a victory in that first game that they played. Um, But the road is just littered with people who have bet against Belichick and, by extension, Josh McDaniels uh, as his offensive coordinator. So let me ask you, because part of the the gig of being a play-by-play guy is that you get to go talk uh, to the coaches and you get to talk to uh, some of the key members of the team. What is it about Bill Belichick that you've seen that allows him with a little bit of preparation to somehow be better suited for postseason games than anyone else we've ever seen? Well, I think first and foremost, he really pays attention to the small details, things that will lead you to victory, ingredients to winning. And I don't think he changes for the playoffs. It's about consistency. It's about continuity and the expectations during the regular season of being a professional and doing your job and doing it well. And even in wins, pointing out where mistakes were made. I think the misconception with Bill and this year's team might be the best example of why this was not the case. The misconception is that you can't have fun. You go to New England and it's joyless. That's not true. Bill actually does have a personality. Bill does have a relationship with his players, but there is a standard that players are expected to reach. And when you pass that down as a coach and that becomes ingrained in your culture, then you've got the checks and balances in the locker room. And he has enough of a mix between veterans and rookies that there has been a clear understanding of what the expectations are. Mm. Look, if another team is more talented than yours, you're at a disadvantage in this league. There's no getting around it. But coaching can make up for a lot. Scheme can make up for a lot. And repetition can make up for a lot. Buffalo is the better team. They are. Pound for pound, they're a better team. But New England has manufactured wins. They have found ways to win. The question is whether or not on this stage, with a packed house in Orchard Park, can a rookie quarterback get it done and limit his mistakes against the number one defense in the NFL? We're going to find out. Uh, we'll be watching. I'm guessing that's some sort of Maltese and or Poodle mix. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I mentioned Belichick, yeah. and he just goes crazy. He starts, starts barking. Is it, a, is it a Maltese mix? It is a Maltese. Uh, the, uh, the background he's of not, He's not a nice Maltese, let me tell you that. <laughs> uh, the background of the McAuliffe's Maltese. Uh, maybe why I went that way. Uh, you had the Steelers last week. No one's really given them a shot in KC. What do you think? Yeah. 
I give them a shot. They have Ben Roethlisberger. They have Mike Tomlin. They have a defense that can be very fierce. Kansas City clearly can score like no other team in the NFL when they get it rolling. I don't think Pittsburgh can go punch for punch with them. It was an amazing storyline, Tim, last week in Baltimore, but it was a rock fight. (laughs) Let's call it what it is. (laughs) It became dramatic in the fourth quarter. And then the Sunday night game, Tim, for... For that to go down the way that it did with the Raiders and the Chargers, it was the ultimate dream and nightmare for the NFL unfolding simultaneously. The fact that it all came down to one game, so that is the dream part. The nightmare part is that it may have been a tie and the integrity of the game would have come into question. So it worked out for the NFL, and it was great theater, but man, that thing could have gone sideways and had serious reverberations around the league. Uh, not only for the NFL, but also uh, as a dude that had the Jags on the money line and a tie <laughs> game between the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, it had reverberations in Vegas as well, beyond the Raiders, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I kind of know what okay. you're talking about. I know where you're headed. I don't participate, but I understand right. it. Right. And I get it. When your emotions start to fluctuate based on somebody else's <laughs> actions, but it affects your life, it can get very irritating. Right. It was. I, I'm with you, though. Like For me, honestly, it was a $2,500 difference. It was just a $5 bet, some fun. And it was right. worth the ride because I don't know if I've ever seen anything like what we saw on Sunday night. Like it was just sheer entertainment and for me it was well worth the five bucks. Hey are you are you calling are you calling Nets and Bulls tonight? I am. Nice. I am. So you're uh, let me ask you this. A lot of folks in Toronto curious. Does DeMar DeRozan have a legitimate MVP case? He does. Yeah. Uh, I know that's hard to imagine considering all of the criticism the Bulls received during the offseason for paying him <laughs> the three-year, $84 million contract that he got, it's going to turn out to be one of the great contracts signed in the NBA this season. He has been the perfect piece of the puzzle for the Bulls. And, Tim, you've experienced it. You saw it firsthand with the Toronto Raptors. Chemistry is one of those things that you can write it down on paper. You can list it. You can put all the positives down before the season starts. It's going to go this way. It's going to go that way. The Bulls are a living embodiment of what chemistry is all about. Their cohesion, how all of the parts fit. And DeRozan has really been the X factor. It's amazing. It's a tremendous story in the league. I think the Bulls, the Cavaliers, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, those have been the four best stories in the NBA. In my mind, others will develop in the second half of the year, but for the first half of the season, the Bulls are right up there. And it's fun to see a little bit of new blood. Uh, And the Bulls might be uh, be some old blood that is new again, Uh, but that's a heavyweight tilt that you got tonight. Uh, Nets and Bulls. Ian Eagle, one of the best in the business. We always appreciate you being a friend. Thank you for doing this. Tim, my dog has calmed down now that we've wrapped up the interview. (laughs) Just just in time. Uh, Next, I, I wonder what Nah, just, just feed the dog. I'm sure a treat will do it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Eagle. There is Iron Eagle in the year 2022. Things like this happen. <laughs> I know that Snoop Dogg uh, appeared a couple of different times when Sid and I were at home. Yeah. I mean, what can you do? I have a multi-poo also. It doesn't shut up.
She's a great dog. Why do, why, why, it's little man syndrome, right? Very, oh yeah, this is exactly what it is. Yeah. Follower, not a leader. I had a lasso abso, it was yeah. a douchebag. Yeah, doesn't, like, sees a squirrel, that's it. It's like a 15 I minutes mean, straight. I think that's most. Most, most dogs? Yeah, like, most just dogs. quiet down that's a little bad. bit, just a bit. Time for one last <laughs> break. Uh, Jesse Rubinoff coming up with Blast Call as we wrap things up on another edition of Tim and Friends. Now only on Sportsnet 360 or available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This is Last Call. I'm Tim McAuliffe. He's Jesse Rubinoff. Uh, sometimes during the show, we we don't get a chance to hear things. We didn't hear the Connor McDavid uh, question and answer about Evander Kane, and we saw some feedback coming in over like people get mad at everything in 2022. Like I think that's just where we're at right now. But like for me, and I'm just gonna say this. You can watch the clip and make the, it's on our Twitter account right now. You can make whatever judgment you want about it. The guy didn't want to be sitting up there answering questions about Evander Kane. He was asked about Evander Kane and he just said what he thinks he should say, which is he wants to win hockey games. Is that shocking to people? No, I think people would uh, look at him as the captain of the team and feel like he has an obligation to steer the team and organization in the direction that people so agree with those are the same people that will rip them when they don't make the playoffs like yeah listen the court of public opinion thought that the golden state warriors should take monta ellis over steph curry the court of public opinion was split on yarrow halak versus Kerry price in montreal like sometimes people don't know everything shocking yeah i know I those are those are different situations but you can't always react to the court of public opinion it is a reaction you would expect as you said in 2022 everyone's mad about everything everyone's mad about everything okay but i think people are just mad about what's going on yes for sure uh okay uh, expressing as... it in ways that maybe they shouldn't i like the smile you look very happy i have happy what we're, we're about to throw to <laughs> is, is is funny so i think we got it as uh, yeah. as we know our friend of the show donovan bennett is also a friend of breakfast televisions. Have a listen to this off-air, which is important to note, interaction yesterday that BT tweeted out uh, between DJ and none other than Sid Sixero. Huh? Hello, Donovan, can you hear me? Hi, guys. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. Can I mention on-air the thing that you announced last week or no? What did I announce last week? I mean, whatever it is, I'm sure you can, but I I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) <laughs> See, now I'm not confident <laughs> even bringing it up. I'm going to text it Listen, we're family. And what, what did I know? <laughs> are you, hold on. Are you and Kate not expecting... <laughs> A child? Yes. <laughs> announced it last week. Dude, I might have this <laughs> child any minute now. That was announced like three months ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. I'm not on Instagram, dude. I don't know these things. I, I didn't know. I saw watching <laughs> no, Tim and Friends announced. last week, and I'm like, announced, <laughs> announced last week. You, you think we? What do you, you think we sent out a press release? You think we're the Royals? Sid, my wife is 38 <laughs> weeks pregnant. There is no announcement. Oh my god! <laughs> the oh my god at the end. Yeah, very good. Oh my um, god at the end. You think we sent out a press release? Would it be the Royals? Yeah. Very good line from DJ. Uh, are you surprised? 
Sid didn't know. Am I surprised? <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. Sid wasn't one for particulars. Oh, to be honest. No, that was so good. Where he tailed <laughs> off, he said, uh, "You and Kate weren't expecting." And he was afraid to say child. Oh, outrageously good. Um, we talked earlier about the Grizzlies' 10-game winning streak. <laughs> so good. And how John Morant is a uh, driving force behind. He scored a game-high 29 points last night, including this bucket, where afterwards he stared down a kid wearing a Warriors jersey that was asking for a high five. Now, here's Morant after the game on that moment. After the last bucket, you got drew the foul, and you go into the stands, and there's a little kid wearing yeah, a Warriors jersey. disrespectful with that jersey on. He, he was say that again? He was disrespectful with, <laughs> with that the jersey, jersey on. <laughs> used no mercy for the little kid. Nah. <laughs> we in Memphis. <laughs> it looked like he wanted to cheer, but he had that jersey on. <laughs> I apologized to him, but in that moment, bro, take the jersey off and then dap me up. <laughs> Do you like this mentality from Ja? What mentality is that? Like, I... People are mad at this. That's not real, is it? A little bit. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And the kid will win. The kid's going to be the big winner in all of this because he's going to get a jersey sent from Ja and shoes because that's just that's just the way it is now. But do you have a problem? Do you have a problem with him not doing that? No, I just I think it speaks to our previous conversation about everyone being mad in 2020. Like, it was a cool. It was almost the cool. You can't. You can't support, like, that's the home team. I loved it. And especially in Memphis, where they've been disrespected for years. I'm, I'm okay with it. I think everyone else should be okay with it. <laughs> like, oh. You know what it felt like to what are me? We, what are we doing? You know what it felt like in wrestling, where, where the heel is playing to the crowd? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and there's, like, a little kids in the front row, and they're, like, ass clamoring, clamoring, or booing, and, booing, and he just looks at, looks at the kid yeah. and just... Yeah, so it had a WWE feel uh, for me. <laughs> I just can't um, believe people get mad at stuff like this. Yeah, it's the way it is now. A super wild card weekend in the NFL is around the corner. Uh, if week 18, which was new, is any indication, this super wild card week is probably going to go pretty well. In the AFC, the seven seed Steelers travel to Kansas City, where they'll be big underdogs against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. So the Steelers, uh, do the Steelers stand a chance in this game? Here is um, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. We haven't discussed it, but I think, um, you know, I would assume as a group you understand that, you know, we probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. We're the, out of 14 teams I think are in, we're probably number 14. Um, we're double-digit underdog in the playoffs. So let's just go play and have fun and see what happens. Here's where we analyze the athlete being honest about what he's saying about his team. I love it. Go out there and have some fun. They have a theme today. No, no, but every team does this over and over again. I saw this littered on my timeline again, and I'm not trying to be old man shaking fist at clouds. This is what teams do all the time, and that is say no one believes in us. No one outside this locker room understands. I've, I've seen it happen in CIS games that I have commentated. It is an age-old motivational tactic that football teams use that no one believes in us. Let's go shock the world. And sometimes, sometimes, even the best teams will act like that. 
so that people will get their backs up against the wall. Totally. That's all it is. Yeah, it works in their favor. Go out there, play loose, have some fun, see what you can do. Because nobody's expecting to win. He's right. Yeah, there's no pressure no, on nobody's you. Nobody's expecting them to watch Pressure's on them. City. Yeah. How many times have you heard that one? Totally. Oh, I think the pressure's on them. And if you score the first touchdown, <laughs> pressure's really going to be Every on them. NHL playoff series after two games. Well, I think the pressure's really yeah. on them. Oh, that's so overused. Yeah. <laughs> we do that all the time. We're guilty of that, too. Uh, all right. Today in the African Cup of Nations, uh, with Mali up 1-0 on Tunisia, the ref blows his full-time whistle at the 86-minute mark. After some confusion, play restarts at the 87-minute mark, but it's called for full-time once again before 90 minutes strikes on the clock. The Tunisia side are not happy about it, obviously. How much did the ref have on the Mali money line here? Okay, here's, here's what happened here. This was... <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous, and it makes the uh, <laughs> I like the hashtag SMS. <laughs> okay, this makes the African uh, combinations look bad. But here's what happened: the referee did not stop his watch for a mandated water break. Okay, so the clock kept going, and he blew the full-time whistle. Looked up, realized his mistake but did not know how much time he should add on after. Now, Tunisia and Mali were both confused, so it's not as if, I mean, he awarded a penalty in the middle of all this, which made it look even worse, but if you do the timing, it looks as though he just didn't stop his watch for the mandated water break. Thank you for the deep dive on that. Who would ever want to be an official in soccer? Unless you're corrupt and you make a lot of money, who would want to be an official? You kind of get like free trips to really important things. You also get harassed by fans, would I, coaches, Would players. I want to be a D division <laughs> referee? Probably not. Would I want to do it in Brazil at D division? No. All the countries that treat it like religion? Nah, no, 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 thanks. Honduras, no, no. No. All right, here's a menu uh, of what's on the Sportsnet family of channels tonight. Bruins and Habs, always special, even when the Habs are well what they are and basketball is on Sportsnet now and Sportsnet one also want to welcome a couple of kids back to our team as Thomas Dobby bounced back yesterday from the injured list and Mike Torquia returned today listen we've got the best team in the business and I'm happy to go to work with this crew each and every day and our crew's been hurting a little bit lately but like many things these days there's only one way and that is through but it always helps when you've got some good friends and we have some good friends you could have been anywhere in the world but you chose to be here with us and our good friends thank you very much for watching as always jesse and i will talk to you again tomorrow